let us pray first because this okay. is a, a topic that once you get into it, you're going to have to stay prayed up. And um, it, it is really something deep. I mean, it's going to blow your mind when you get the book and begin to read it. Father God, in the name of your son, Jesus, we just thank you for your word this evening, oh God. We thank you for this teaching, oh God. We thank you, oh God, for your protection and your covering, oh God. And we're asking you as we go through this series of teaching, oh God, learning spiritual warfare, oh God, that you strengthen us, protect us, cover us in the name of Jesus. For we know that the things that we are about to learn, oh God, Satan does not want us to know. But we know that the things that we are about to learn are essential as we follow your command and walk according to your will to have dominion on earth and to bring the culture of heaven to earth. So God, we just continue to ask you for your cover and your protection. Guide us. Keep us focused, oh God. Let us learn, oh God. Or operate in according to your will. We give you honor. We give you praise and we give you glory. Amen. When you get the book, the first thing that you're going to see in the book is a warning. And the warning reads, this will be one of the hardest books that you have ever read. Satan does not want you to read this material. And Rebecca Brown, she puts her own prayer in the book. And her prayer is, Heavenly Father, I ask that you shield and protect the reader of this book and give him or her a clear understanding of all that you have directed us to say. I ask you for this and thank you in, a, in your precious name and in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. She goes on to tell us what the purpose of this book is. It is to show you the many ways that Satan and his demons are at work in the world today and to show you how you can effectively fight against them and how you can be set free from the bondage of Satan. One thing I, I know that we do a lot of, a lot of things that we blame Satan on when things don't go our way or go according to our plan, we're quick to discount it as Satan. And it is not necessarily Satan. There are sometimes things are not going your way. Things are being tripped up because you're not doing things God's way. And Satan had nothing to do with it. Sometimes God is tripping us up because he wants to take us down a, a path where we are to learn more, where we need to see more, where we need to experience more to get us to the place that he wants us to be. Sometimes he trips us up and moves us out of position and stops and halts our own plans as a protective kind of thing to protect us from certain things. So we need to be very careful. And I say that because when you're quick to deem everything as Satan, you will be just as quick to not recognize what really is him. Because, see, Satan's goal, he, he's, he's not petty. I know we want to think he's petty. He's not. His grand scheme of things is far bigger and far... 
immediate plan, he don't have time for that. He okay. really don't. Okay. He he's okay. He, 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 he he is really when you see him twisting and turning and trying to manipulate your mind. Satan don't care. He don't even care how much stuff you got. As a matter of fact, he likes for us to get stuff. Keep in mind, he likes for us to get stuff because he knows the human mind and the humanism in us attracts us to stuff and gets us focused off of God. So when something don't go your right and go your way and and some stuff is in jeopardy, that wasn't Satan. Because he wants you to have all the stuff you can get. Okay. He do. He wants you because he knows the stuff is distracting. Now, sometimes God will stop your stuff because he also knows that you're not ready for certain things that you're putting yourself in position to get. See, because God wants you to have the desires of your heart, but everything is about a process. Everything is in a certain perspective. Everything comes with a principle and a guidance. And if you get it before you're ready, it's like a child eating meat before they grow teeth. They will choke and possibly kill themselves. So sometimes we need to, when the plans are not going our way, before just deeming it as Satan, back up and say, okay, wait a minute. What, what's going on here? What am I supposed to see? What am I rushing to? Am I really ready for what I am proclaiming to be ready for? Is there some more learning that I need to gather from this? Is there something else that I need to gain from this? Is God withholding this from me for a purpose and I promise you if you pray and you ask him he'll show you but see we are so used to wanting to move and maneuver without consulting him uh-huh. Uh-huh. and a lot of times if we consult him that's why I played, pray, played that song order my steps in your word but see we don't want to take time because you know God's word you know, he, he go all around the mobile bush and, and he don't move as fast as we want him to move. And, and then there's some principles that, you know, go along with stuff. And, and you know, he's trying to block you from some stuff that look good and feel good. And we just want it our way. But we talking about we are serving the kingdom, not Burger King, but the kingdom of God. So you don't get to have it your way in the kingdom of God. Amen. So be very careful about what you automatically just throw on Satan. Again, because see, when you get in the practice of everything that doesn't go your way is the devil is a liar. Satan is busy. No, because when he really gets busy and see, he don't mind you doing that. Because see, when he really gets busy, you can't even discern what's going on and what truly is him. Because you think that he's so caught up in this pettiness. That when the real stuff come along, you don't even know that this is the time that you need to drop down on your knees and start rebuking him and his demons. You can't even recognize it. And I'm, I don't know if everybody or anybody else has the book, but I'm going to go because I wanted everybody to at least go through chapter one of the book. But I'm going to walk you through it. The story is about um, a woman named Rebecca. Now, she is a doctor, and the book starts off with her doing her residency in a hospital. 
when she walks into the hospital, she feels a certain kind of darkness, a gloominess. Mm -hmm. Something in her spirit is just not rested. But keep in mind, she is a God-fearing woman. She's someone that was raised in a, a home all of her life with Christ in her life. She turned her life over to Christ at a very young age. She has been serving, her and God have a real relationship. And I think it's very important that we recognize that because see, we have gotten to the point where our children have no reverence for God. Our grandchildren have no reverence for God. They know every rapper, every celebrity, every form of social media. They know every video game. They know all of that, but they don't know God. They have never been taught to pray. So you have to ask yourself, what are you preparing them for? Because as parents and grandparents, we have been given the charge to prepare our children. So it's like we're sending them out into the world butt naked with no covering, no reverence to God. They don't even know when they feel a certain way that they are to pray. They don't have enough discernment to know to move out of the way when something doesn't feel right. Amen. Last week I had um, my daughter scared the bejesus out of me. Um, my 22-year-old, because she's away in college and I'm here by myself. And I got up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. It's like 12, 30, quarter to 1. And I hear this thump. And I'm like, oh, Lord, somebody had broke in my house. So I'm I'm walking to the hall in the hallway and I'm tiptoeing and I'm looking. And I'm like, oh, and I'm praying and all that. And so finally she says, Mom, it's me. I said, what are you doing home? She said, wait a minute, wait a minute. So I'm like, oh, Lord, what done happened? What done happened? So she comes and she tells me, she says, I don't know what it is. She said, for some reason, I could not rest. I have not been resting at my dorm for the last two nights. So I decided to come home. And I told her, I said, you can always come home. You can stay home as long as you want to. But what I don't want you to do is wait until the middle of the night and get in a car and drive home an hour and 35 minutes, hour and 45 minutes home by yourself at night. Because see, we have to also not only prepare our children spiritually, we have to prepare them with some common sense. And we're living in a climate today where a black woman by herself in a car in the middle of the night don't need to be on the road by herself. Amen. I told her, I said, now your mama's a bad mama jamas. I mean, she bad. But I can't fight all of Georgia. I just can't. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to need you to use some wisdom. But, you know, I said, are you sure? I said, nothing happened with you and your roommate? No, I just, just had this feeling, whatever. So then I was talking to someone later on, and they said, look, let me tell you something. And I never pushed her, and we're going to get into that in a minute, to have the be in certain circles. I never pushed her. Because she, she's one that was raised in church. She, she was always active in children's ministry. She knows God. She, you know, all of that. Um, but they said to me, they said, you know, this was, this past weekend was spring break. She said, now, uh -huh. some kids stayed on the campus. 
she, they said, now, it might have been some stuff going on on campus that she wasn't down with, but your daughter ain't no snitch. But since she wasn't down with it, she didn't want to be around it. I said, well, that makes good sense, and, and thank you, Lord. <laughs> so, but I'm saying, but we have to prepare our children to have that kind of discerning spirit. So back to Rebecca, this is how she was raised. So now here she is, she's a doctor doing her residency. She walks into Memorial Hospital and she's like, there's something that's overwhelmingly dark and gloomy in here. What, you know, like, what is this? And she said, you know, of course, she's the new person on board. She don't even know who or if she can talk to anybody about this. So, you know, she just began to pray to herself and, you know, and she, you know, started thinking about, you know, her growing up and, and she's like, you know, different lessons that she, because see, God will bring stuff. The Bible tells you that he will bring stuff to your remembrance. When you are make a habit of studying his word, some stuff don't sink in right there. But at certain times, you're like, where did that, where did that come from? It came from the word of God that you have poured into yourself. So she started thinking, and, and keep in mind that she was one that, like I said, she grew up in the church. Well, because she was a quote-unquote church girl, and I know how she felt, certain kids in school and in her neighborhood didn't want to be bothered with her. So she was ostracized to a certain point. And that's fine. And what I was going to say was I never pushed none of my kids to have any friends. Some people want their kids in social circles and this and that and the other. And then they find out that their kids is doing this and they're doing that and da 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 Well, you push them into that. See, that's another thing that we got to be conscious of. When you're teaching your children about spiritual things and you're teaching them about God and even just basic right and wrong and having principles and character and respect for themselves, you can't teach them that and then just tell them, well, be friends with everybody. No, everybody don't deserve to be your friend. You have, you have, we have to remind our children that everybody does not qualify to be your friend. There's a qualification process to being attached to you. That's how special you are. And I don't think our children are hearing enough of this today. As we go back to the story, she's going through the hospital and she's okay. And they're showing her this and they're showing her that. And within six months of her training, she noticed is that they're starting to be a little change because she, at first she was assigned to the pediatric ward, you know, where the newborns were. And there were several other Christian nurses that worked there with her. And then from the upper, the, the executive office came down a ruling that you are not allowed to pray over these babies. You are not allowed to evangelize or even talk to the parents about God or anything. So they made that a, a universal thing all over the hospital. So here you are, you have people in the, in the emergency wards and, and hooked up to all kinds of things in that life and death situation and you get a notification from the executive offices, you're not allowed to evangelize and pray with anybody even if they ask. So she's like, okay... This is a little different than what I'm used to. 
So, but she began to make it a point of coming to work an hour earlier. And she would sit in her car in the parking lot and she would pray because that's the one thing they couldn't stop her, you know, from doing. So she would pray. And, you know, she said, as the Lord steadily increased this burden on her heart for the souls in that place, she began to pray daily, asking the Lord to permit her to stand in the gap for the hospital and this in that city. Because this was happening all over in that city at the hospitals. One hospital started it, then you know how that goes. And then it's like a domino effect. And she said she began to recite Ezekiel 22, 30, 31. And it says, And I sought for a man among them that should make up a hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that should not, should it not be destroyed. But I found none. See, God is looking for us to stand in the gap. But the problem is right from the pulpit to the ushers. In church, in church folks and Christians and those who confess God, we're not willing to stand in the gap for somebody else. We're not. We're so worried about me and mine. And God is telling us right in the scripture, I have not consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I reprimanded upon their heads, saith the Lord. He's telling us, you have the power in your hands to save the lost. But we don't do it. We don't submit to that because we get caught up in our stuff. And we don't understand that's part of Satan's whole spiritual warfare plan. Get everybody stuck on self. See, because he understands that there's power in numbers too. The last thing he wants us to do is start caring and praying for one another and partnering up and, and revelations coming through prayer and healing coming through prayer. And that person is now turning their life over to Christ because that's building the kingdom of God. See, and it's so crazy because I tell you all the time, you know, me and Bishop, you know, Bishop, he's a mess. But anyway, I was talking to him and he was like, he can break stuff down so good. He said, now, I want you to think, if people don't think of spiritual warfare in this simple of a form. Satan was the king. I mean, he was not the king. I won't say the king. He was the head musician in heaven, which was a high power, very high power. He was one of the, and one of the most beautiful angels that God created. But he got filled with himself. And he wanted to be higher than God. So God kicked him out. Kicked him out of heaven. He came down to earth. Cool. Alright, he kicked me out of heaven. That's, that's mine. Ain't nobody here. I can do my own thing. Now mind you, he took a third of... The Bible tells us he took a third of the angels with him. Now, he he's the head honcho. He's the head honcho. So he got his own planet. He doing his own thing. He getting it. He getting it. This is my thing. I ain't mad at him for kicking me out. Next thing he knows, God starts to create man. And then he gives man dominion over earth. Satan instantly gets mad. Because this was mine. And you mean to tell me you're going to create something from some dust and then give it dominion? Have take 
my dominion was for me. He, I bet you I kill them. I bet you they won't serve you. I bet you I make them mock you. So that's where the spiritual warfare came from. Satan is determined that the earth belongs to him. But God has given us dominion. But we have to walk in it. And I, I said this last week. See, Satan studies us. The problem is we don't spend enough time studying him. Amen. So Amen. as we go on in the story with Rebecca, she tells a story about one of her patients um, <laughs> that came in the emergency room because by then she had moved to the emergency room from the children's ward. And this person was sick and had... Um, a heart problem and was on heart medicine and so she wanted to give him his heart medicine but he kept insisting that she he took a, um, a higher dose than that she was giving him so she trusted the patient and gave him the higher dose that he asked for well what she did not know was that that dosage was very dangerous to give unless you were gradually worked up to that amount so she had to fess up and she went to the other doctor that she was working on and she said, this is what happened and this is what I did. And that doctor said, don't worry, you know, I did the same thing. I did the same thing in my residency. You know, you're going to learn from your mistakes. He said, but unfortunately, what has been done, this medicine that you have given him is irreversible. And he's going to die because of your mistake. She said she abruptly turned and ran to the chapel and fell on her knees before the Lord and prayed earnestly, asking, asking the Lord to correct her mistake, laying claim to the fact that she was a child of the king and standing on Hebrews 4.16, which tells us, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. When I say come boldly, that see, we, we've gotten so used to these cutesy prayers. God could care less okay. all about them little flowery. Look, come boldly. In other words, come to him. Talking straight, honest, confessing what you did. Fix it, Lord. Fix it. I messed up. Fix it. I know it was me. I don't have no flowery words. This man is about to die because of me. And we got a lot of things that's going on in our life that we don't need to, Lord, and then they cover me, protect me. Oh, no, Lord, <laughs> this has been on me. <laughs> I need it to stop. We need to be bold in what we're saying. God doesn't need, say what you want from God. Say it. If it's worth God giving it to you or going after it or protecting you from it, then say it. He don't want any double talking and flowery words. See, because what happens is when you can't say what you want, there's a doubt. You, there's a doubt there. Do you really have faith that God has the power to move, to change, and or to give you what it is you're asking for? then what's the problem with you asking for it? He tells us to ask. Yes. 
After she got up off her knees and went back down to CCU, when she arrived, she found that the the patient's blood pressure had returned to normal and he was now pain-free. Because she was willing to go boldly before the throne of God and intercede for someone else. Now, as she continued to work in this hospital, she continued to see some other things going on. And one night, uh, someone came into ICU, came into the emergency room, and it was clear that whatever he had been through, he had been tortured, possibly even crucified, because he had nails in his hands. His skin had been ripped in some parts of his body from his flesh. He had been whipped. He had been burned. And she said they started working on him and, you know, doing all, they got him to the point where he was at least breathing. But of course the man was in a lot of pain and they had to put him into a a coma. They had to put him into a a, a chemical induced coma. And she said, and once they got him to the point where he was in the ICU, stabilized in this coma, everybody just went back to work like this was normal. And she's like, okay, nobody's gonna, nobody is gonna say anything about this? This is not weird to y'all? Like, do y'all get people in like this all the time? What's going on? And as she began to talk to uh, another nurse, and the nurse told her, she said, um, nobody wants to say anything about it. Because the Christians don't want to be isolated and, and, and looked at as being overly spiritual. And then the other ones don't don't acknowledge a God at all. And then we have some that are actually witches that work on our staff. And she said, I believe, that this is another Christian woman. She said, there's a town, the next town over is known for their satanic rituals. They're big devil worshipers in that town. There's witches in that town. And, well, later on she finds out that this man that came into the hospital, he was actually a minister. And the Satanists had strung him up to kill him. And she met him later on. And as the story goes on, she she starts to tell you how she began to have to interact with what she later found out. The head nurse was a witch. And one night, she said, this one patient that was about to go home, they said the patient would be going home, you know, in the next 24 to 48 hours. And she went up to visit the patient because of this patient was, you know, you know, you, you get attached to people when you're caring for them. And she, her and this woman had become very close. And this woman was a, a spiritual woman again. She was a Christian woman. And when she got there that night, she told her, she said, get me out of here. She's going to kill me. So she said, what are you talking about? So she told her the nurse's name. She's going to kill me. She says, no, 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 no. She wouldn't do you anything. She says, look, I need you to listen to what I'm saying. Okay. She said she comes, she comes and she gets, she finds people 
and she starts telling them how they're going to die and how they should embrace their death. And she starts to help them to transition. She said, and the first time that she came, I'm thinking that she's being nice. And she called herself praying in silence. And then she starts speaking in an unknown tongue. She said, but the second time she came, she said, because in between, I just wasn't comfortable. I started praying. So the second time she came and she started speaking in this unknown tongue, she started recognizing that this is not a spiritual tongue. That this woman was speaking a demonic incantation over her. And she said, I need to get out of here. She is going to kill me. When she realized that this was a witch, one of these Satanists, she also recognized, because this is why we're studying this, so that you can understand the spiritual realm of this. When you worship Satan, you have to give him a sacrifice. Satan wants blood. And he wants the blood of believers. So this woman was making a practice in the hospital of sacrificing people to Satan and them willingly going along with it because they are so spiritually out of touch, they don't even recognize what she's doing. So she says she sat there because she had no authority to move this woman or release her or anything. So she said, well, I'm just going to stay with you through the night. And she literally started seeing demons in that room. And she began to pray. And she overcame the spirit of the demonic spirits that were in that room. And the next day, that woman was allowed to move to a different floor. And she did eventually go home. So that is the first chapter of the book. So if you, if you get the book, go ahead and read it because you're going you're gonna to read so much more and you're going to need that first chapter to get into it. But I chose to teach spiritual warfare through, through the reading of this book because it tells you a story and it helps you to relate some things. When we get further into the story, it's going to get into the materialism and it's going to go through a whole bunch of different realms of things. And you're going to be able to, it's better than just learning about spiritual warfare from uh, Texas, you know, the, you know, like a, a um, like a textbook, because you're able to actually see what's going on and, and, and live through the stories and understand and able to later possibly recognize different things because Satan can be, Satan is not bold like we think he is. He's, he only gets bold after we keep feeding him and letting him get away with stuff. Because every time we let him get away with something, he gets bigger and he gets bigger and he gets bigger. So that's when he gets bold and arrogant and, and boastful and everything is out there and open. But he doesn't start. He starts out subtle. He starts out real subtle and sneaky. Like, he, like if you go back to the Garden of Eden, real subtle and sneaky and deceiving and, and cunning and kind and no reason to think that, you know, that he's lying to me because he, you know, God did, you know, Eve is thinking, well, God did say that. 
So we got to get out of our mind that Satan is going to come at us and we just going to recognize him because he's so evil. He's so, no, honey. And like I said earlier, he's beautiful. Beautiful. And Satan can take the form of anything. And trust me, if he's coming at you, he's going to take the form of something enticing. And again, we have to always remember he studies us. So if he's coming after us, if you don't like chocolate, he's not going to come in the form of somebody that's bringing you chocolate because he know you don't like it. <laughs> you say you like vanilla ice cream. Oh, trust me. Satan coming to you with somebody and that whoever he bring is going to be fine and going to have the best looking vanilla ice cream you ever seen. <laughs> he he not play, he know how to he knows how to play the game. Yes, he does. And we have got to get diligent in regards to studying him as much as he studies us, so that we won't be derailed, so that we can help others be free, so that we can cover our children and our grandchildren. And that's why the warning in the front of the book, Rebecca Brown put that warning, letting you know this is going to be the hardest book you ever read. Because there's st stuff in here that Satan don't want you to know. Because as you get in the middle of the book, she's going to deliver a Satanist. And the Satanist is going to give her all of the inside secrets. That's the part that Satan don't want you. He don't, The last thing he wants you to do is get to the middle of this book. See, I done read the book three, four times. But he don't want you to get to the middle of this book. I promise you he don't. Because you're going to be like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I promise you. <laughs> but does anybody have any questions or any input? Or do, they, do you need the name of the book again that we're studying from? The floor is open. Is everybody good? I'm sorry. You're just waiting for yeah. I know you're just waiting for your book. Anybody else still waiting on their book or ordered it? Because I mean, you can. Um, it is on Kindle where you can um, download it on your phones or your tablet as well. Is anybody else waiting on a book or, or just ordered the book or plan on downloading it? I ordered the book already. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. So you're just waiting on it as well? Oh, no, I, no I, I just got it, and so I started reading it, and it's... it's, it's a, you, you started well, reading I've, I've it as what? Well? I got it last week. Oh, how much of it did you read? Um, uh, I got it, well, three chapters. Oh, you you, you, you are headed to class, ma'am. <laughs> oh, hey, Tabitha! I'm going to have Tabitha teach next Wednesday. <laughs> Let me tell you, honey, Tabitha don't play when it comes to reading that. Look, Tabitha, I'm going to have Tabitha teach, teach next Wednesday. So, Tabitha, so how are you enjoying it? How are you enjoying the book? It's very interesting. Very interesting. Okay. Okay. Um, I see. Uh, I mean, I see uh, a lot of things because even um, even the things that she's going through, I I actually see things like that in uh, in the places that I have that I work mm -hmm. that I worked at and, and have worked that I work in. I see things like this. Mm -hmm. And that's see, going on that, that this lady is going through. 
Yeah, and see, this is the thing. You know, God gave us dominion, and we've been talking about kingdom um, for the last two months. And I was, you know, we've been preaching about, you know, going, we're supposed to be present in every realm of industry. And we, 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 we don't make it a conscious decision to do that. We're supposed to bring from everything from healthcare to politics to every realm. We don't give nothing to the devil, but some parts he is just running amok in because we're scared to step up or, or don't do whatever is required to step up to be in it. And he's in it and he's doing his thing. And I mean, who would think that you would have people that are head, heads of hospitals and doctors that are tied to Satanism and sacrificing people? So, and, and another thing that I learned is a lot of times this will teach us how to pray. What you have been listening to is an excerpt from our first class on spiritual warfare. The book that was referenced is entitled, He Came to Set the Captives Free by Rebecca Brown. The direct link to purchase this book or to download it to your devices via Kindle is on our website at www.bibledeliverance.org. We invite you to be part of this extraordinary teaching. Our classes are held virtually on Wednesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The login information is also available on our website www.bibledeliverance.org Again, we invite you to be a part of this class to enhance and enlighten your spiritual walk. Be blessed.